Thank you for listening to this message from Southridge Community Church, located in Clinton, New Jersey. We hope God speaks to you through this message today and that you find new ways to apply His Word to your life. Additional messages and more information can be found on southridgecc.org. So let's get started. Good morning, my name is John. Uh, For any of you who don't know me, I am the uh, pastor of family ministry here, which means that I have the, the privilege to get to work with really birth through college. My team and I, we get to journey, we get to walk. It is a blessing. And uh, we're in the month of August, which means family ministry has had an absolutely insane summer. Uh, We do so much throughout the summer that we just want to celebrate and thank God for, whether it's middle school retreats, high school retreats, activity nights, VBS, um, even, like, I just want to celebrate even the fact that we had our kids joining us for service. Like, I have personally enjoyed that so much, witnessing families worshiping together. Like, God is doing something so great and so powerful, and it is such a blessing and a privilege to be a part of it. Another privilege is, a, is the opportunity I have to just share God's word with you guys this morning, to talk about what we're going to be continuing in our study as we talk through roots and fruits and everything else attached to it. But I do, I do need to take a second to warn you, um, for any of you who don't know me, and this is not meant to be self-demeaning, I am not the smartest person. I'm serious. I'm really not. Actually, um, and I know this because my entire life I've been surrounded by what I would say are smart people. Uh, You know, growing up, I have an incredibly intelligent sister who always was great at just about everything she picked up. School never came easy to me. That's just the truth. Does anyone else, has anyone else relate to that? Okay. So you know exactly what I'm about to say. You're right in my boat. Uh, Actually, the other night... My wife and my sister-in-law were sitting on the couch talking about how they had to take honors classes to get valedictorian above a 4.0. And I was like, I don't even think I've ever sniffed a 4.0. I don't even know what that is. I don't know if I can count that high. Like, what are we talking about? Um, Needless to say, like, academics never, never came quickly. And I wish I could be like, oh, well, everything else. Like, super easy. Like, I'm super talented at... Music. Um, no, sadly not. Uh, I went to a small Christian school, and uh, I tried out for what we called madrigals. Madrigals was like the step above choir, right? And so we tried out. The teacher literally tells us before we try out, hey, there are four boy spots. I go ahead and I count. One, two, three. We got four boys. There's no way. The rosters are posted. They had three boys from our school and one boy they had recruited from another school. (laughs) He didn't even go there. It doesn't end there. In eighth grade, I was recruited by all these guys to play basketball. And that was just because I was the tallest kid in eighth grade. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll play. Like, that'd be great. I'd love to make some friends. That'd be awesome. I did not make any friends through basketball. They were all like, John, you are not good at this. But one thing that I did learn throughout that time is hard work. Truth is, like, this idea was ingrained into me that if I ever wanted to do well at any of these things, like, I had to work crazy hard. Like, my best friend in the entire world, he could study 15 minutes for an exam and get an A. I'd study two hours, and I'd get a C. 
And I'd be like, well, that's okay. C is better than a D. So we're doing all right at this point. But I understood that like hard work was a big part of it. And not going to lie, like culture really reinforced this concept. I'm really, I really enjoy sports. And even if you're not a sports fan, you just have to like watch a Nike commercial. And the whole thing is about like hard work beats talent, right? Like in high school, my iPhone background was like earned, not given. You know, all these like cliche phrases that were all about hard work and dedication. And that's how I was going to get through. And truly my high school, even into college, like sports, choir, like everything came down to hard work. So why wouldn't I approach my faith the exact same way? We're going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and the truth is, I can tell you firsthand throughout high school and college, the way that I desired or tried to manifest the Holy Spirit was with hard work. We're going to be talking about the idea of forbearance and kindness. So why wouldn't I naturally just, if I wanted to be better at them, work harder at being patient and kind? We're going to talk about how we actually see that manifest in ourselves and where we actually receive the strength to do that. So let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father, we come before you, and Lord, I just want to humbly lift up this message, these words, your truth. God, would you speak and proclaim it? Lord, do a work beyond what I can do. Lord, would your name be glorified? Would your presence be felt in this place? Would your spirit dwell? Remove the, the thorns, the thistles, the walls, the brokenness that we have been guarding against the restorative work. Father, do something in us today. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in a study called Roots and Fruits, and so I'm going to encourage you to open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Now, while you're turning there, um, as many of you know, Nathan has been on sabbatical, and I know you all miss him so dearly that I have a joke for you this morning that fits very well with our message series. So, how do farmers party? They turn up the beats. I'm doing this for you. Nathan's coming back, and you better be ready, all right? Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be reading from 13 to the end of the chapter, so if you wouldn't mind just following along as I read the word of God. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. 
The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, or envying each other. Amen. Amen. I think the first thing that we need to do before diving into these words is defining them. And so I have, um, I have a confession for you. Uh, the word forbearance. So we, we know and we prepare for our messages well in advance, and we sit down as a teaching team, and the truth is, in the, I'm going to blame this all on the summer and being very busy, but in the midst of a busy summer, it takes me a little bit longer to get ready and it takes me a little bit longer to get to the message and message prep. And so it was a couple of weeks ago, and I was sitting down. I was talking to my wife, and I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I have got to sit down. I've got to start reading the passage. I've got to start studying. I've got to start preparing. I'm going to be preaching in a couple of weeks. And I have to figure out what the world forbearance means. And my wife looks at me. She's like, John, context clues, patience. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, we're in this series Fruit of the Spirit, John, patience, forbearance, they're, they're similar. And I was like, oh, man, remember that whole thing I was telling you about where I said I wasn't smart? Evidence in, the, the proof is right there. Needless to say, we look at this word forbearance, and it means patience, self-control, restraint, the ability to endure injuries inflicted by others and the willingness to accept irritating or painful situations. Forbearance. Let me ask you, um, in our everyday lives, do we feel like forbearance is what bubbles out? Let me ask you, when you are driving and someone is in front of you and they are going the speed limit, is your response, oh, it's so wonderful to live in Hunterdon County with the beautiful trees and man, what a beautiful day. Or is it you screaming at the driver in front of you saying, everybody goes five miles over the speed limit. In our moments of everyday life, if you're a parent and your child is needing your attention and they are tapping your shoulder, mommy, 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 is your response, the steam coming out of your ears in a rageful, what is it? Or is it, yes, I'll be with you in one moment. Is it forbearance that we see that is an outflowing of our everyday lives and situations? I will be the first one to raise my hand and say, man, I feel like I could pray for forbearance and patience every day, and it's still a work in progress. I've actually never met an adult that's ever said to me, I'm actually pretty good at patience, like ever. The point is, like, we see this term forbearance, and we see an outflowing of different situations and circumstances that we encounter. Let's talk about kindness. Admittedly, when I hear the word kindness, my mind immediately thinks to little kids. But the truth is, this very much applies to us adults. 
kindness. The quality of being friendly, generous, considerate, tender, concern for others reflected in a desire to treat others gently. I want you to think in your head of that one person that you all know that I'm talking about. And maybe it's a relative, a family member, a friend, a sister, a brother, a coworker. That one person that is really just, there's not even a word for it, but you know what I mean. They're that person. What does it look like to show kindness? What does it look like to respond with a heart of kindness towards them? Let me ask you this. When we go on our social media pages, we see people with different positions, beliefs, thoughts, standards, etc. Is our immediate thought to attack? Does your social media page read more like a positional paper? Or does it read like a care and reflection for others? Does our conversations with others, when we don't agree, like it's easy to be kind when you agree, but when you don't agree, is your first question, let me, let me better understand where you're coming from. Help me, help me process that so that I can best talk on the same level with you. Or is it like, hey, let me tell you, I'm going to prove you wrong. Church, what does it look like for us to exhibit forbearance and kindness The truth is, uh, I've had an opportunity in the past couple months to really work on this. Um, I'm a newer father, um, and fatherhood has taught me that patience and kindness are going to be two key attributes that I'm going to need to continually keep at the forefront of my mind. And let me tell you, I love my daughter. She She brings me so much joy, just the little things she does. I can't even begin to describe to you how excited I get when I see her. But then there are these other moments These moments when we're putting her to bed at night and she is absolutely exhausted and I know that what she needs is bed, but she is fighting me like you wouldn't believe. And everyone in the room knows, hey, like you need to go to sleep, but she's like, I'm staying up and she's screaming and she's yelling. She's got her hands flailing. Kindness, forbearance, patience. Or this new thing, my daughter really wants to, um, to pull herself up. Like that's her new thing. She's working on that. And, uh, you know, like, it's great. It's awesome. It's really exciting. She's trying to pull herself. And she tries to use human beings to, like, pull herself up. But she's got these grabby little hands. And she'll pull anything in sight. And I'm telling you, she's pulled out more arm hair in the past couple of weeks than I can begin to tell you. Like, arm hair, hair, nose, mouth, whatever she can get her hold on, just yanking. I have a response that I have to decide. Am I going to just lose it and be like, Gwen, what are you doing? Or is there going to be a heart posture, an outflowing of forbearance and kindness? Listen, I I was trying to determine, hey, where do we go? What passage do we study this morning as we talk through and about the idea of forbearance and kindness? And the truth is I could think of no better example than to examine the way that God responds to his children, us. And so rather than honing in on a story, I'd actually rather tell you multiple stories. As we examine just a couple of stories throughout Scripture, and the truth is, I have a time limit. Otherwise, we'd go through the whole Bible, and we'd be here for 12 hours. There are so many examples, but let's just start at the beginning. Genesis 
chapter one, God creates everything. He creates the world and it is good. He creates mankind to be an extension of him. And it is beautiful. And we know what happens in Genesis chapter three. Mankind no longer desired to be the extension of God, but to be the the source, the one who is worshipped. And so they ate of the fruit. Now, prime opportunity for God to just restart. But instead, forbearance and kindness outflowing from our God Genesis chapter 3, verse 21 through 24, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, this man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat it and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. Let me tell you, I think this response is just completely covered in forbearance and kindness. God didn't wipe Adam and Eve from the earth and start over. Instead, he takes them in the midst of their shame and he clothes them out of kindness, out of care. Now, many of you are like, well, John, he still banished them from the garden. Yes, he did banish them. And yes, it is a consequence. But let's just think here for a second. What does it say? It says, this man has not become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to, eat, to reach out his hand and take from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Why? Because in man's distorted, broken state, God did not want them to exist forever, separated from what he had intended. You want to talk about Kindness. It's God removing the fact that, hey, I don't want you to live like this forever. I have a reconciled plan for you to be brought back. Forbearance, kindness. We don't have to go far before we reach Genesis chapter 6 through 9, and we get Noah, the story of Noah and the ark, right? Everyone is wicked except for Noah. And so God gives Noah, and he says, listen, build an ark. Noah builds an ark. He outlasts the storm. And when the the ark lands on the mount, what is God's words in Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 through 11? Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds and the livestock and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of the flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. Did God have to make this promise? Was there any obligation on God's part? God is the creator of all. The beauty of the rainbow that we witness is God's covenant. And let me tell you, you want to have a really sidetracked conversation that I cannot have today? Suzer and Vassal Covenant, there's a beautiful picture of a stronger party protecting a weaker party. And the covenant that is made by God is actually against himself. He doesn't put us in the position to fail him, he says, listen, I'm going to make a promise to you, and I'm going to keep myself accountable to this promise. Beautiful picture of patience and kindness. Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel. Mankind is now using industry to build the tower that will reach to the heavens. For what purpose? 
to glorify themselves rather than God allowing that tower to fall and kill all of them. God instead, in Genesis chapter 11, verses 8 and 9, so the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Now, you may wonder, John, how is it kind that God changed their languages? Let me tell you, God could have done a lot worse, number one. And number two, have you ever tried to have a conversation with someone who speaks a different language than you? Listen, I've taken, uh, I took six years of Spanish, didn't remember any of it, it's terrible. I went on a missions trip, and I realized very quickly how hard communicating with someone else who spoke a different language would be. I mean, you can only say the word gato so many times, meaning cat, and it not register at all. Like You're just like, I don't have any other words, so we're running out. What does it require for two people who speak different languages? Patience and kindness to work together. A level of humility to not just instruct, but to carefully listen. If I walked into that mission project and the person looked at me and said, they don't speak my language, I'm not working with them. Listen, unity is brought about when we humble ourselves and we work in tandem with others, willing to listen to value. God confused the languages, not because he just wanted to like, hey, overcome this. He was like, no, 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 I want to teach you humility. I want to teach you the ability to be patient and kind with others. Listen, I'm going to fast forward a little bit because I don't have 12 hours. We get to Exodus and Moses and the people of Israel. Israel is oppressed by Egypt and they are um, they're slaves and God sends a deliverer and Moses leads them out of Egypt. And let me tell you, you ever read Exodus through Deuteronomy? Man, the people of Israel, they just like, and I, I can't even be mad at them because I feel like that's how I live my life. Every blessing God gives me, I find something to be upset about or do something wrong, right? Moses is getting the 10 commandments. What are the people of Israel doing? They're building a golden calf. God provides manna. They complain because it's not meat, like, story after story. Get to Judges. You ever read the book of Judges? It's, it's a nonstop cycle of the people serving God, forgetting about God, serving idols. God allows other nations to take them over. Once they're taken over, they're oppressed for like 40, 50, 60 years. Then they cry out to God. God comes. He sends a judge, saves them. They live in peace for a little bit and repeat the cycle. Like, multiple times over and over again. You know, it's actually described in Judges as the cycle of sin. I think the better thing to describe it would be the cycle of patience on God's part. You think after the third or fourth time, God would have been like, all right, I am done with this. We even move past it. I mean, I've just used Old Testament examples, but like, let's, let's go to the New Testament. What? Look at the life of Christ. How he exemplified patience and kindness towards everyone he was around. He dealt with people like the Jews, he dealt with the Pharisees. He dealt with the Gentiles. He dealt with his own disciples he had to be patient and kind towards. An example of forbearance and kindness. The truth is, like, we witness the story of how God interacts with us, and I am certainly no God. <laughs> 
but I imagine it to be a lot similar to how I interact with my daughter, where things are not always the way I want them to be, and they're a little messy, and sometimes I even know she needs to go to bed. She's fighting, and she's screaming, and she's... There's no greater example of patience and kindness than our Lord and Savior, our God. And so we see that throughout the storyline of Scripture, which leads us to ask the question, how do we develop this kindness and patience? Well, we already covered that in the beginning. We just need to try harder, right? Good luck, church. Go ahead. Try harder. Let me tell you, one thing you have to be very careful to ask for is asking God for patience. He will put you in positions to test your patience, all right? I'm warning you right now. No, it's not through trying harder. That's not. That's, I, I really believe in, as we look at all these fruit of the Spirit, it's not about behavior modification. Not even close. One commentary writes it like this, and I actually really enjoy it. Paul's used fruit imagery to emphasize the Spirit's role in the production of these virtues in a believer's life. As we are active in following the Spirit, he produces these and others. As we are active in pursuing the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God, produces it in us. The reality is, we, when we read the passage that we were just talking about, we see um, examples of uh, like how, what God tells us, right? He says, like, be in the Spirit, don't be in the flesh, right? And so for the sake of illustration, I have... Um, this could go one of two ways, just to be very honest with you. This could be really bad or really good. So um, we'll see. I did not actually test this completely out. So nothing like on the spot. Um, anyway, we see as we look in God's word, if it is a genuine outflowing, then what we have to question is what we're pursuing. And so for the sake of illustration, because it's darker and it's black, I want to use this as an illustration of things of the flesh. And so some things of the flesh, we see examples of indulging in uh, selfish habits, selfish ambition, desires of the flesh, um, envy, malice, rage, elements like that. And we see what comes out. It's dark and it's black and it's concerning. And we look across and we see what does it look like for us to fill ourselves with things of the spirit, right? And so things like being in relationship with God, investing in time, prayer, Bible reading, the church, the body. The real question when we look at these two things as we interact with them is recognizing what it looks like to fill ourselves with things of the flesh and things of the spirit. Now, I do want to be transparent because I don't think there are any perfect people. I think we all have tendencies of flesh, and so it would be unfair for this water to be perfectly clear but at the end of the day, what ends up happening is that we go through life, and I think especially with the characteristics of patience and kindness, little things happen to us that nudge us and bump us and move us. And the real question that we have to wrestle through is what gets poured out when that happens? When we get nudged or bumped or we're driving and somebody's going too slow or we're whatever example you want to use, you ran into that coworker that's been asking you for that paper for the thousandth time or whatever else, is it anger and malice and rage and frustration that pours out on them? 
Or is it patience, love, kindness, goodness, faithfulness? Church, this should be encouraging to us because we recognize that it's not because we try harder that we accomplish the fruit of the Spirit. It is an outflowing of what we are pursuing that naturally overflows onto people. Maybe you've been in a situation or circumstance, I know that I could probably tell 20 stories of where I did not have enough time in that moment to think, how should I respond? Whatever was coming out was coming out. And I've got stories of where I did a terrible job and I've had to apologize and repent and confess. And I have stories where I've said, praise God that you shined through in this moment because heaven knows I wanted to say something different. Church, what we are indulging in is what comes out. And that's what this passage tells us. Indulge in the flesh, things of the flesh will be the result. Indulge in the spirit, things of the spirit will be the result. So I can think of no better way for us to start off this opportunity of recognizing and reconciling to the Father than with communion. Communion is this beautiful sacrament that we participate in in the church where we remember the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior. We remember what he has done for us on the cross because the truth is, no matter how hard you try, you will never be good enough. I will never be good enough. I fall short every single day. Sure, I, I can work hard enough, and just to be clear, I'm not against hard work, but I can work hard enough to maybe get good grades and be better at sports and maybe even make the madrigals. Yeah, sure, all those things. But when it comes to my faith, I require the total atonement of my Lord and Savior. And so we reflect and we remember the sacrifice. We remember the instilling of the Lord. And so I want to challenge you. Listen, we take communion here at Southridge Community Church, and there is absolutely no obligation to participate. In fact, I would actually say that if you are not a believer, please don't participate, because this is remembering the work that Christ has done in our lives. Feel free to sit there, to pray, to think, to talk, and if you'd like to process more, like, love to talk to you about it. But if you're a believer, whether of our church or of a different church, it doesn't matter. You're here today, and I want to encourage you to take this opportunity to join us in communion where we remember the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior. We do that through symbolic elements relating back to the Last Supper. And so at this time, I'm going to welcome the worship team as I unpack this. And I want to just prepare our hearts with a posture. So let's just silence ourselves Calm our spirits. Whatever you're thinking about or we're thinking about, whether it's this afternoon and lunch or the projects you had to get done, just for a second, put those to the side. Would we take time to remember the sacrifice, the gift, the blessing? We see in Matthew 26, Jesus is gathered there with his disciples and they are gathered around the Last Supper. This is right before Jesus is about to pay the ultimate sacrifice for them. The disciples don't even fully understand what is happening. 
But Jesus says these words. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And when he then, when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it to all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Listen, the good news of the gospel is that we, <laughs> we fall short. We see story after story after story that we even covered today where God has had to be patient and kind towards us, but the truth is we fall short and we sin. But God sent his son to die on a cross for us, to pay the ultimate price, to pay our price. And the beauty of the story is that after he died, he was in the grave only three days until he rose again, defeated death, so that we could be united to Christ and through that union experience his death, burial, and resurrection, living a new life in Christ. Church, amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. So in a second, I'll, I'll call up some rows, and I'll just kind of point and say, hey, you can come up and grab. We have, um, we have uh, the juice and the bread, and we do have some gluten-free options, so please, you know, we, we are sensitive to that, so please feel free to look for those. But if I could, just for a, a minute, in our very busy, chaotic life, give you one minute to sit to think, to talk to God, to just pray. Take that time now to realign yourself with our Lord and Savior. At this time, I'm going to invite the far, my, your far left, my far right, if you'd like to take the elements in this middle to the left. If you guys want to stand up and take the elements, please. In the balcony, I'll start with the right side. If you want to stand up, there are different um, elements throughout the room. Go ahead, stand up. Go ahead and gather some of them. You can take them back to your seats and wait, and we'll take those together. you haven't had an opportunity to get your elements, you can stand now and head to a different communion station.
there are a few moments more beautiful, more sacred than the church gathered together remembering the promise, the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ. So church, together with me as I read over these words, would we take communion together remembering Remembering what God has done, what he continues to do, and how we get to be a part. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body. Church, let us eat the bread together. Then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many, for the forgiveness of sins. Church, let us drink the cup together. Amen. We're going to close out our service with literally one of my favorite songs. Um... It's a short song, but the doxology. We have an opportunity to praise, to worship, to glorify God. So if you would, just join us as we finish out our service with the doxology. for the gift that we have to indulge in the Spirit. Church, let us go out, not just practicing patience and kindness, but filling ourselves with the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here. If you'd like to join our worship or prayer team, you can come on up front, receive some prayer. Thank you guys for being here. God bless.